You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. Welcome in to another edition of Fly the W. This one is season one. It is episode six, and we are calling this one, unfortunately, Beat down in the Bronx, and that is putting it mildly. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. We are, of course, the official radio home of Chicago Cubs baseball with Pat and Ron and Zach. And as always, I am joined by my pal, Crawley. And you can find me at Crawley's Cubs, and you can follow us on Twitter at FlyTheW670. And also, we have an email account, FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. All right, Crowley, before we get down to the beatdown in the Bronx, before that game, there was a flurry of roster moves prior to that game, which was uh, Friday afternoon. Um, Wade Miley off the 15-day IL, Gomes and Villar off the 10-day. They reinstated right-handed reliever Chris Martin. Um, The corresponding moves for those were Marcus Stroman placed on the 15-day IL because he's got a shoulder, air quotes, retroactive back to June 7th. Uh, Michael Rucker and Afonso Rivas were optioned to Iowa. And then the big one, Clint Frazier, DFA'd. And we're going to go back to that in a second. But also, Cubs are saying that Seiya Suzuki may need to be shut down for a little bit while longer. Crowley, I want to start with Clint Frazier because I have been saying on the score, on the Mully and Haw show, that I want more Clint Frazier and I want less Jason Hayward. And now I'm going to get no Clint Frazier. In the last episode, we were guessing how many starts Frazier would get over uh, Hayward, and it turned out to be none. And it was just so frustrating to see this happen because, you know, they're talking it's a numbers game. We needed the roster spot. Our friend Sahad of Sharma from The Athletic uh, had a lot of great quotes that he put in there from David Ross. This is a quote here. Uh, We needed a 40-man roster spot for Chris Martin coming back off the restricted list. We haven't been able to give him real opportunities to watch him succeed. It's a tough decision. We think a lot of Clinton, his ability with the appendix and limited at bats, not being able to see a real spot for him right now. It's just one of those tough decisions. Well, David Ross, you're the one in charge of giving him opportunities. So why wasn't he given those opportunities? Yeah, I'm calling complete BS on that. I think this morning on the show, I called it, um, Oh, nepotism, baseball nepotism at its finest. I I understand that David Ross has a relationship with Jason Hayward, and I understand um, those tight bonds. And they were obviously World Series teammates together, champions together. But this is on Jed. Jed is in charge of the roster, at least until I'm told differently. Jed is in charge of the roster. If he leaves this guy on the roster for David Ross to play, I can't necessarily blame Ross for playing him unless Jed and David are having a, a tug of war behind the scenes and, and Ross won this one. I'm calling BS. He, there, he must be a pot stirrer. He must be saying things, doing things. He's got to be a bad teammate. Otherwise this makes absolutely no sense at all. 
Well, Ross adds, his ability to show what he's capable of hasn't really panned out because of David Ross. With how our roster's constructed, it's kind of tough to find him a spot. I think we all believe that Clint Frazier's got a lot of really good baseball in him. Him getting the opportunity to go out there and prove it is the hard part right now, and it shouldn't be. Couldn't Rafael Ortega have like an elbow or a shoulder or something and go on the 10-day IL? Do we really need to see Jonathan Villar? Do they need extra infielders right now? I think they're flush with infielders right now. They don't have to have that. In worst case, you could have Christopher Morrell come in from center field and play second base if you absolutely had to. So again, I am calling BS on this whole situation. It stinks out loud and something is not right at Clark and Addison as far as Clint Frazier goes. And, and, and when they asked David Ross how Frazier took it, he said he was upset. Emotional be a good word. I think he likes it here a lot. I think he believes in his baseball skills, which we do too. Didn't show it. I think it's just one of those really tough decisions we had to make sometimes, which stink. He's worked his tail off and done nothing but been a great teammate here. So he has a lot of great baseball in him. He's a great teammate, but he didn't get opportunities because I didn't play him. Do I think, do I got that right? That sounds about right. He did not play him. Speaking of a guy who has not played and we have not seen play, and that is the top free agent signing who just was tearing it up in the National League. It looked like he was going to be the runaway winner of the um, rookie of the year in the NL. And of course, we're talking about Seiya Suzuki, and he has been down with a finger, not with a hamstring, not with an elbow, but with a finger. Crowley, what, what do you think is going on there? Well, it's an injury that he that he had previously in Japan, and uh, he re-aggravated it with uh, a slide trying to get to second. And so he's been trying, and, I, and potentially maybe he's just trying to push himself too hard, and, and maybe just a little rest is what he needs. But, I mean, you, you know, we're going to talk about the Yankees series, which was a frustrating one. But when you think about all the moves the Cubs made in the offseason, which, A, weren't enough – but, you know, they didn't have the depth that you needed. You've lost three of the pitchers that you acquired in the offseason and you lost your star right fielder that you signed. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to give a pass to the Cubs organization because, as I just said, they could have done way more in the offseason than what they did. But, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of success when you lose three-fifths of your rotation. That's just not really a good recipe for success. No. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Okay. Crowley, before we, I mean, we could spend a half an hour talking about all these moves. Is there one of the other moves that we just went over briefly that you think has an impact immediately? Um, you want to talk about Marcus Stroman. Do you think that there is something there? Do you think maybe he's got dead arm? They need to let him build it back up. Which other one would you like to hit on before we move down into the beat down in the Bronx? You know, with Strowman, uh, it's it's been just a very frustrating go because he just hasn't been able to kind of get moving. And and he was a key piece right there. You're talking about losing arguably your number one starter from the rotation. So, um, you know, we saw him have some really good starts. We saw him have some okay starts. And we saw him have one bad start against St. Louis. Uh, just frustrating because I don't think we've obviously seen the best of what Marcus Strowman has to offer and when you now have uh, re, uh, Miley and Smiley, the Smiley and Smiley twins going on the IL, that absolutely kills this team because the plan all along was that you had a rotation of Hendricks, uh, Stroman, Miley, Smiley, and then one of the three guys at the time, I'm going all the way back to spring training, whether it was going to be Justin Steele or Keegan Thompson or Adbert Alzali, one of those guys would be fighting for the fifth spot, maybe Alec Mills, and then the other guys would be in the rotation trying to build up their arm strength, uh, you know, kind of work on things, but still, you know, not be as an important of a piece. And this whole season has just been a disaster when you talk about the Cubs pitching and being injured. Wade Miley, how many starts does he have? Three? Smiley never really got it going. We just talked about Stroman never really getting going. We haven't seen Kyle Hendricks. He's going to be starting in the San Diego series. We haven't seen him since the 1st of June. These guys that we have out here right now, they weren't supposed to be uh, starters. And, you know, it's going to show. You're going to have some of the stinkers that you had when you think about this last series against the Yankees. One more I'd like to talk about before we get into the Yankees series is Jan Gomes. And if he's he's back 
And now the Cubs and Wilson Contreras avoided the arbitration. They met halfway in the middle. So as of now, he is still property of the Cubs and they have a contract for the rest of the season. If Gomes is catching four out of five days, I think that is going to be an unbelievable indication that the Cubs are have Wilson Contreras on the trade market. He will be DHing and batting probably second, maybe even first some nights, and that they are going to try to keep him absolutely as healthy as possible. If they put him back behind the plate three to four days a week, then I would think that that means you're keeping him and you're willing for him to get some nicks and bruises and just beat up as it is when you wear the tools of ignorance. So what do you think? Do you think we're going to see a lot more Gomes to keep Wilson healthy, or do you think we're going to see plenty of Wilson behind the plate up until the trade deadline? I think you'll see uh, Wilson catching three days a week. But one thing that is interesting about this whole DFAing of Frazier is they decided to keep P.J. Higgins on the roster. So you have three catchers on the roster currently. Great point. Now, Great point. Now, P.J. can play some first and, you know, uh, and probably better defensively than Frank Schwindel. Revis was optioned to Iowa, so that opens it up. But I thought that that was an interesting choice to go with the three catchers and like I said you can play Higgins he's that that he's that athletic at first uh but but just something to kind of keep in the back of your head right and then then we go back to the whole like Chris Martin move okay you could have put Higgins back down and brought Martin up and left Frazier alone Mm -hmm. there's some something again something doesn't make sense something doesn't stink all right that's enough about the roster let let's unfortunately talk about the beat down in the Bronx okay the Cubs were swept out of New York City I got a couple of numbers for you Crawley the Cubs were outscored 28 to 5 over 3 days and the Cubs now are 0 and 12 all time against the Yankees in New York. I actually saw when they opened the new Yankee Stadium my dad and I went to the opening series it was a two exhibition games and they lost both of those as well. well so uh, 14 then <laughs> if you want to put those on the on the docket. Oh boy. Yeah. New York. Uh, it's, what do they say? If you make it there, you can make it anywhere. Apparently not for the Cubs. Um, it was, that was just, it was bad, but, but here, here's the thing to keep in mind is that you saw it with the Dodgers as well. When the Dodgers were here in Chicago, the Dodgers and the Yankees are pretty much one, two on every power ranking that you see out there. They are the cream of the crop when it comes to major league baseball. And that just is a measuring stick of how far back the Cubs are. And so when we talked last on episode five, we said, please don't get swept. And the Cubs had that opportunity. The Yankees had to fly in late. I think they came in at five in the morning before that first game. That was your opportunity it turned out to be a disaster, not in the way of a beatdown, but just the way that the game played out. And, uh, you know, it, it's very hard when, when, you're, when, when you have all the injuries that I mentioned going up against a team that came into the game having one of the best ERAs and also scoring the most runs. And when I was listening to Pat and Ron on the radio, Pat brought that stat up. You know, if you score the more, most runs and you give up the least amount of runs – that's a recipe for success, and you, you sure as heck saw it this weekend. A math, a math major he is. Really quick, though, at least with the Dodgers, it was competitive. There were some competitive moments. They won a game. They almost won two games. And you talk about the measuring stick, Crawley. I mean, the Yankees took the measuring stick and literally beat the Cubs outside the head with the measuring stick. All right, enough about that. Let, let's get into game one. That one went to the Yankees, extra innings. Two to one, break it down for us, Carly. It was absolutely um, worst case scenario. You had Wade Miley going up against Luis Severino, who's been doing great. They lose two to one. Uh, Hayward must have heard that everyone was mad about the DFA of Frazier because he hit a double and a home run. He accounted for all the Cubs scoring. One of those weird games where the Cubs out hit the Yankees nine to six, but lose Anyway, um, the the trouble here with this one is that Wade Miley gets pulled from this game. That left shoulder that's been bothering him continues. So he only he's by the time he gets to the fourth inning, he is pulled. And so the Cubs have an early one nothing lead after a uh, Hayward double. He advances the third on a flyout by Madrigal. 
One out the infield in Morel with a weak grounder to short and Hayward tried to score and he was thrown out by a mile and that play. It's the little things. It's the little things with this team. That, that ball was right in front of Hayward. It was going right to the shortstop. It, there was no reason he couldn't have made it back because the ball wasn't absolutely scalded to the shortstop. And then the next play up, in Contreras singles, that would have been one run. So you make so many stupid base running mistakes with this team. And then with two on and two out, Hap is robbed by Aaron Judge in center fielder, which I never thought I would hear that, you know, saying to see a six foot seven or however big he is, 200 and something pound center fielder. He made an awesome diving play to, uh, to rob Hap of runs. So the Cubs get shut out there. And then, like I said, in the fourth, Miley can't pitch, so Daniel Norris has to come in, immediately gives up a home run to former Cub Glabar Torres. Now, uh, Hayward's able to answer in the fifth, but just so many bad things end up happening, and we get to that extra inning, courtesy runner on second rule, and again, the Yankees came in at five in the morning. They are a much better hitting team, and you caught them exhausted and you had a chance to take one, and you couldn't score with a runner in scoring position in the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, or the 13th, and in the bottom of the 13th, the pitch hitter, Jose Treviano, with a walk-off single. And that got the Cubs involved in an unbelievable stat that we'll walk you through during this uh, three-game beatdown. The Cubs 0-for-18 with runners in scoring position on Friday night. They left 13 guys on base. So now we move into game two. It was Matt Schwarmer making his uh, Yankee debut in New York for, you know, a visiting pitcher. And I, we had a good debate on the score about this, whether or not we wanted to see guys like Kyle Hendricks, maybe Alec Mills, if Stroman at that point was healthy enough, or did we want to see a young guy? I wanted to see Swarmer and trust me, so did the Yankees who hit six solo home runs. A, another bad Cub record was hit, set by Matt Swarmer and Crowley before we dive really I I just want like where was the life jacket for this guy where was the where was the the lifeguard that was ridiculous to leave Matt Swarmer out there he got absolutely pounded this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it comes down to taking one for the team because of the amount of bullpen guys that they used, but they had what they have. They had Wednesday off. They had Thursday off. So, I mean, everyone should have been rested, but uh, that's just how it goes. They let him in there to take that beating. And the funny thing is he only gave up one hit that wasn't a home run. Unfortunately, the other six were. Judge had two. Stanton had one. Glebar Torres again. Trevino and then our old pal Anthony Rizzo had one. So just an absolute disaster. The Cubs only had uh, five hits, and then it was Schwindel and Gomes who both had a pair. So other than them, the Cubs had one hit. Right. And then the more bad news in that one, if that wasn't enough for you, the Cubs were now 0 for their last 40 with runners in scoring position. It was the second longest streak in MLB over the past 40 seasons. Okay, so now we get to game three. You're looking to not get swept. Keegan Thompson throwing for the Cubs and Keegan had had a miserable outing against the Orioles earlier in this week. And things really didn't get any better. Did they crowd? No, he did not even make it one full inning. He only lasted two thirds and gave up three hits, five runs, three walks. Uh, you know, you, we were hoping for a good bounce back and clearly we didn't have it. And it's a question now, is it, is his arm tired? Is there some mechanical issues? Uh, 
in our last episode, Lance Brozdowski was talking that Sean Marshall mentioned maybe he's tipping. I don't know. The Cubs are going to have to figure it out. But uh, it was a very difficult, difficult to watch. And not only that, the bullpen did nothing. Uh, Daniel Norris, who is still on this roster, gave up five runs, two home runs. Mills gave up two. Newcomb, who just came back from injury, gave up five. And Frank Schwindel got to pitch again, your favorite, Dustin. He threw the slowest pitch ever to be hit for a home run. Yeah, I don't need to see Frank Schwindel pitch another time this year. I can't stand that. The Cubs went on to be 0 for 48 with runners in scoring position before Hap singled somebody in in the seventh. So they finished 1 for 51, left 28 runners on base, passed the 96. At least it was the 1996, not the 1896 Giants, who went 43 consecutive hitless at-bats with runners in scoring position. Again, the Cubs outscored in this series 28 to 5. Yeah, and, and the worst thing, too, is on that Saturday game is that Morell's streak ended, that on-base streak that, that was about the only thing keeping us afloat at 22 games. And then on the Sunday game, he had a brutal game, 0 for 5 with 4K. So it was, it was there was nothing you could really do. It was a – I used to have a coach tell me, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a mule. You could have the fastest mule. You could train that mule, give it the best food, but you ain't, you're not going to beat a thoroughbred. What you saw out there is a team in the Yankees that are hot, that were a World Series favorite coming into it, and they showed you exactly why. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. This is episode number six. It's beat down in the Bronx. We've been talking about that so far to start the show. And it's now time, Crowley, to take a look at some of the younger up-and-comers, some of the guys that the Cubs were able to get when they did the big sell-off last year. And our next guest, Brandon King, voice of the high-A affiliate South Bend Cubs, is going to fill us in on some of that young talent right now. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. This is episode number six. It's beat down in the Bronx. We've been talking about that so far to start the show. And it's now time, Crowley, to take a look at some of the younger up-and-comers, some of the guys that the Cubs were able to get when they did the big sell-off last year. And our next guest, Brandon King, voice of the high-A affiliate South Bend Cubs, is going to fill us in on some of that young talent right now. Brandon, how's uh, how's the weekend? How's the season going so far? Uh, Dustin Crawley, it's an honor for me to be talking to you guys and to be jumping on. Uh, season has been a blast, and I think anybody that follows the Chicago Cubs minor league system and that is in touch with the level of prospects that are here in South Bend all season long, the star power is insane. And, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of these guys, but just in the last week and a half or so, getting a guy like Pete Crow Armstrong up to South Bend has been a lot of fun. And uh, Cubs are playing some good ball. They're right in the playoff hunt. There's going to be a first half playoff spot on the line coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Cubs are right in that. And, you know, we're already halfway through the minor league season, which is a little bit crazy to say. So you guys are the high A affiliate and something that was really cool that Marquis has been doing has been broadcasting some games. You and Max Tama, your uh, announcer, your co-announcer, you guys got to do a marquee game on Thursday night. Tell us about that. Oh, man. Uh, you know, being two Chicago guys, I know Max and I were thrilled to get the opportunity. And what's even cooler is, as you said, Crawley, we're going to get multiple opportunities to show the Cubs faithful, the prospects that are coming up. And you know, I'm a Mokina, Illinois native. My family lives all around the south suburbs. I have some aunt and uncles in Michigan and Wisconsin and Indiana. So they all got to tune in as well. I think the coolest part for me, just talking from a personal standpoint, was uh, you know, my 90-year-old grandparents who are from Italy, um, they got to watch me on TV for the first time. And I, I, don't, I don't know if there was a, some nerves to go along with that, knowing that they were watching for the first time, but it was exciting for sure. And, but even more so, it was a great Cubs win. It was a shutout win, 2 nothing. Owen Casey had the game-winning hit in the eighth inning. You know what's funny is we did a couple marquee, like, test runs last year, and the first one was a rainout in which it was the game was stopped after three innings. We did not score. The second <laughs> one, we got shut out. So we're walking into the park on Thursday. We're like, man, we got to put up a couple runs. It gets to the eighth inning. We still have not scored. But finally, Casey pushes across a couple, and it was a big Cubs win. That was a blast off the bat, 111 miles per hour. Really an impressive shot. And you guys did a great job calling the game. There is a lot of reasons for people to go to South Bend. It's not a far drive. 
but one of the things you guys ha- really have is pitching. Um, yeah. You have a lot of great pitching. You started the season, you opened up, and you still do. Uh, tell the people uh, wh- which pitchers have really been kind of turning some heads down in South Bend. I think you have to start with DJ Hurst, Crawley, uh, who is a top 10 Chicago Cubs prospect. He was drafted out of high school in the Theo Epstein regime, which, as you guys know, there were not a lot of high school pitchers selected by Theo and Jed together. But hers is one of those guys, eighth round pick from Fayetteville, North Carolina. And the numbers he has put up over the last couple of weeks, especially, he was named the Midwest League Pitcher of the Week after he struck out 12 Dayton Dragons. One thing to keep in mind about Dayton, they're the top team in the league. They're the Cincinnati Reds affiliate. Reds have a hell of a farm system. And hers set him down like it was nothing. So hers has been strong. Another name that folks will want to know is Jordan Wicks, the first round pick of the Cubs in 2021. He actually made his professional debut on Marquee Sports Network last September in South Bend, which was really cool to do. He just tossed a scoreless inning, but he's been given the full leash this year. And uh, Wixie has been fun to watch. I, I think he has the best changeup I've ever seen in minor league ball. And that changeup, which, of course, we've seen through the Cubs organization, think about lefties like John Lester and Cole Hamels that have been through. I mean, the Cubs know how to teach changeups coming from the experiences they've had at the big league level. And Wicks' changeup, it's everything is advertised. So I think you got to start with the two lefties in Wicks and hers. And top to bottom, the Cubs' bullpen on the back end has been strong too. So it's exciting. Manny Espinosa is a name that not a lot of people might be familiar with. And and he kind of has that like closers mentality, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I think so. And it's funny you put it that way because he has been in a starting role. He started last year at Myrtle Beach under Buddy Bailey, but – he was working in relief to start his career in the AZL after the Cubs signed him out of Mexico. But he's got the stuff that can work both in the rotation and out of the bullpen. But he has stepped in a role where there were a couple injuries to start the season. He started the year in the bullpen, and now he has moved to the rotation. And he's put up simply the best right-handed numbers in the Cubs organization over the last month or so. We actually thought he was going to vouch for the Chicago Cubs minor league pitcher of the month after Owen Casey took the minor league player of the month. But I think the way that he pitches, he's not going to blow you away 97, 98 on the heater. He's crafty in a way that he'll throw 92, 93. He's got a wicked changeup and as well as a developing slider. And you're right, Crawley, that he's not going to show up on a top 30 prospect board, but the stuff that he brings on, a nightly basis or a weekly basis when he goes every five days, it's dynamic. The one guy I want to talk about before uh, Dustin moves on to the outfielders is my guy, Cole Franklin from Oklahoma. I love this guy. Uh, You know, he had an injury last year and he's kind of coming back this year. Tell me what's going on with Cole. Yeah, it's really fun to have Cole in South Bend because as you know, he had that wild two year layoff with COVID and then the surgery last year with the oblique and, multiple other problems so the last time that he pitched before april was in south bend in august of 2019 days before we won the midwest league championship he pitched one of those last regular season games just kind of as a test after he posted an era right around two at short season eugene at the time you know cole has had an interesting season where they're still they're still stretching out and really lengthening his arm The longest outing he has had all year has been three innings. He pitched earlier today, and Crawley, I was telling you this off the air, where he looked great to start innings today. It was the wildest thing where he sent down, he worked three innings, the first two frames, he sent down the first two guys he faced, first inning, two go down easy, then the next guy comes up, walks, and then the next guy comes up in homers. Then the second inning, two go down easy, then double, walk, double, and with two outs, it was Cedar Rapids able to lay four runs on Cole Franklin. But I think the stuff is there. Um, he had a great change up today. Also, he's been working on a 12-6 curveball, which is a little new in that repertoire. Um, really good north-south movement. And if that continues to develop and he can have three reliable pitches plus throwing 100 miles an hour, he's going to figure it out. And I think it's a mix right now, guys, of – him still lengthening out that arm, getting stronger. And as well, I mean, the guy had a two-year full layoff. That's not easy to do. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. Brandon King, 
announcer for the South Bend Cubs is our guest this week. We've been talking about pitching. Now let's move over to some offense. Let's talk about the outfielders. You've said his name a couple times, but let's dive a little deeper, Brandon. Owen Casey, tell everybody about him. He was the uh, biggest probably name, I guess, in the in the U Darvish trade. He's ranked as the eighth best prospect for the Cubs at this point. Absolutely. And he was definitely the headlining prospect, Dustin, in that U Darvish trade where uh, the Cubs got a lot of pieces, including Zach Davies last year at the big league level. But of course, the real story are the minor leaguers that they got back. Uh, two of them, including Casey, are in South Bend right now. Yes, in Santana is the other one, an infielder. But focusing specifically on Casey, I think folks in Chicago saw the news, the minor league player of the month for May. And everybody should be excited because of the April that Casey had. Owen Casey is 19 years old, guys. He doesn't turn 20 for another full month. And usually, 19-year-olds, when you're sending them to low A, it's a challenge. They sent Owen Casey to high A to start this year. You know, I remember in 2019, we got Brennan Davis as a 19-year-old. We got Cole Roeder as a 19-year-old. As mentioned, we had Cole Franklin as a 19-year-old. Low A is hard for teenagers. High A, that's a whole new challenge. So Owen has been working closely um, along with D'Angelo Jimenez, Cubs bench coach, who was a former big leaguer with the White Sox, the Reds, the Yankees, as well as hitting coach Dan Puente. Dan is actually pretty much the right-hand man for Chicago Cubs director of hitting Justin Stone. They work together at elite baseball training in Chicago. So they're getting first-class coaching here. Um, but Owen, after a tough April, I think here in the Midwest League, it's tough because being around the lake, right, in April, a lot of times there's cold nights and it's windy and you, you get to 10 o'clock and the sun sets, it's kind of gross. And, uh, you know, we even had snow on, on opening weekend, so not easy. Um, but he really started to hit the ball towards the back end of April. And in May, 313 with the average. Uh, he had his first career multi-home run game. Probably you talked about that laser home run that we had um, just a few days ago at Four Winds Field, 111 MPH on the exit below. And uh, originally it was forecasted as a 400 foot home run. Then when you look at the video again, the ball went over the scoreboard, which is not 400 feet away. I mean, it's at least a 450 shot. So this wow. kid is 19. He's still growing into his body guys. And um, the it's unbelievable what he can potentially do someday. Another young guy that's here in South Bend with the Cubs, Pete Crow Armstrong. That was some big news a couple weeks back. He moved up to the South Bend team. He was a big part of the Javi trade from the Mets. They kind of gave up on the guy. Talk about his offense and his defense. Let me start with the defense. Uh, you can have a ball. You can, If I could buy a ticket to sit in the broadcast booth and watch this guy take BP fly balls, I absolutely would. I mean, PCA is having – the time of his life in center every day he's been here shagging fly balls. He made one play where there was a line drive pretty well hit towards the left center field gap during BP. He makes a catch by reaching his glove behind his neck and <laughs> making like a reverse style catch. It was ridiculous. Um, he plays a really smooth center field. He commands the outfield well, but you know, his bat Dustin is dynamic. Uh, he had his, First four wins field home run in the series against Cedar Rapids. His first five hits with the South Bend Cubs, four of them were extra base hits. Um, he barrels the ball. And that's a really popular term nowadays, I feel. I, I hear the term barrel a ball, I think, more so than I had any season. Maybe that's what Dustin Kelly and the Cubs hitting program in the minors focuses on most. But, you know, Owen Casey was on marquee not too long ago. His goal is to get a barrel a game. And same case for PCA. We were talking to him on marquee on Thursday. A barrel game is what these guys want. I can tell you they had multiple barrels in this series against Cedar Rapids. So he's certainly exciting. And, you know, when somebody looks at that Javi Baez trade, guys, and sees, all right, so the Cubs got this kid, Pete Crow Armstrong, for Javi Baez. And I think Williams was in that deal too, right? I mean, that was a two-for-one deal, basically. So you get one prospect back. All you have to do is watch this kid take BP, shag fly balls, you know, man, that's some talent right there. 
Absolutely. And then uh, you also have uh, Jordan Uagu, who is a third round pick and, and both him and Owen were from Canada, which I thought was interesting. I think they're both from Ontario. I don't know how big Ontario is. So I don't know if it's just like, you know, saying you're from Chicago. You've never been to, never been to Canada? Crawl? Never been to Canada, eh? but that, you know, and then you also have Johendrik Pinago who was signed out yeah. of Venezuela. And, and like I said, I mean, you can go to Four Winds Field any of the nights and, and you, you can have a, just a completely dynamic outfield plus a DH. It's wild. And these guys are taking turns, what you just said. Some nights it might be Wogu in left, TCA in center, Casey in right, Pinango DHing. Some nights it might be Wogu in center, PCA in right, whoever's DHing. I mean, the combinations are endless for Lance Rimmel, who is in his first season as South Bend Cubs manager. Uh, Wogu was born in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the capital, but his family almost immediately moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan. He plays college ball with the Michigan Wolverines. So, uh, he's, you know, he has dual citizenship, but he's not a true Canadian, I guess. Owen Casey is definitely full Canadian. Uh, his family is actually here or was here this week. Uh, his mom was on hand to watch that big time home run and his uncle as well. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, man, the, the, the outfield is the story here. And we, we talked about pitching a moment ago, but as you said, the power, the ability, the potential of all these guys, I mean, Wogu is a genetic freak. You see him work out. You see him pump iron. It's something to see. Pinango is only 19 years old still. I, it's the outfield of 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. And it's so much fun to look at and imagine these guys one day being up at Wrigley. You know, Christopher Morrell was a South Bend Cub in 2019. Unfortunately, he could not win the championship because he got hurt that year. He wasn't on the championship roster, but he played, you know, 50-some games with the Cubs. And at that time, he was a 19-year-old. And... I can tell you guys with the fullest remembrance that the Christopher Morrell that we're watching right now at Wrigley Field, that was the Christopher Morrell we're watching, we were watching in South Bend at Four Winsfield. It's the same exact guy. And just like these fellas that we just talked about, Pinango and Wogu and PCA and Casey, uh, they're all not only good dudes, but they're fantastic baseball players. So um, hope you guys can make it out and come watch because it's uh, the ticket's worth it. And Brandon, really quick, really quick, I wanted to follow up on something you just said, though, about yeah. of the group of guys that we just talked about there, who would be a guy potentially, if given the opportunity, like Morell was given, who, who could you see if we were having this conversation a year from now in June, who, who might be able to make that kind of jump and have the type of um, run that Morell has had so far? Mm, that's a good question. I would have to go with... Pete Crow Armstrong, because I had a scout tell me earlier this week that they believe that PCA could be in the big leagues right now from a defensive perspective. They think that PCA could be in the big leagues again right now and be a top 15 outfielder defensively in the big leagues. Now, it's a matter of the back converting, right? But as we have seen, Magic at Wrigley Field, Christopher Morrell, home run in his first at-bat, buddies with Wilson Contreras, dapping up umpires at Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think I'd have to go with PCA just from the defensive route. I don't know. A year from now, it's, it would be tough for their bats. But, man, I, I don't think it's going to be too long before we are saying that, like, all right, Owen Casey's 21. It, it's not going to be long here, especially – you know, you don't know if he's going to get the call to double A this year. If he does, great for him as a 19-year-old. That's fantastic. But, you know, if he, whenever he gets to Tennessee and if he's putting up numbers in the Southern League, man, it's not going to be long. Now, one story, when I went out there in April, I got to see Ed Howard and talk to Ed Howard. And we've, Dustin and I, and, and you became known him for a very long time, the Jackie Robinson West Little League team and all of that. That injury was just so deflating, that weird hip check by the first baseman. And you just, when you saw it, you hope, please not, you know, but it looks like the year is going to be lost. Have you guys heard anything from Ed or has he been around the team at all? No, he is um, in full rehab. He's not traveling with the team any longer, a 60 day IL. Um, so I, I did text Ed after it happened. Just wanted to pass along my well wishes because he's a great kid, man. He's a great kid. And it was a joy to be around him. You know, it's funny for Ed Howard at the time he got hurt the bat was really starting to get pretty smooth in, at the Midwest League, which is weird because you can look back at 
a shortstop like Labor Torres when he was a South Bend Cub. You can look at a guy like Andy Weber, who is a prospect at the double A level. He was our shortstop in 2019 on that championship team. Usually in the Midwest League, I talked about the weird weather in April earlier. It's the glove that transitions slowest, and it's the bat that usually is consistent to start the year, just because they have had so many reps in Arizona and they're ready for the grind. For Ed, his bat took a minute. It really took a few weeks for his bat to get going in April. The glove, guys, I'm not joking. I don't think he made every single play possible. And he made a few plays that you're like, man, how the hell did he do that? But every single ball that got hit to him that was in range and playable, he made the play. And usually, again, I Glaber Torres in 2015, I've heard stories about how he had a really tough time in the Midwest League in April. Andy Weber, Webb would be the first one to tell you that he struggled with the glove to start 2019. Then he became the most reliable shortstop in the Midwest League the rest of the year. For Ed, it was really, really interesting to see the glove be the story and then the bat slowly take off, but it really was. I can tell you we saw enough of uh, Glabar's bat this weekend, BK. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Something, man. It's something. Hey, real quick, before we let you go, we appreciate you spending a couple minutes with us. Tell us about – we've talked about all the great young talent. Now, if we want to see this great young talent in in person for ourselves down in South Bend, talk about the game experience and talk about a couple of special uh, promotions you guys have coming up. Uh, guys, the production staff and the promotion staff at Four Winds Field is second to none. It's led up by Chris Hagstrom. Probably you know Chris very well, and um, you saw him last time you were at Four Winds Field. Uh, again, Chris is my direct boss. He's a terrific friend of mine, and the planning that goes into what happens at Four Winds Field every year is fantastic. A uh, few things coming up that fans will want to know. Wednesday, June 22nd, 7.05 game against the Peoria Chiefs. Peoria, the former Cub affiliate, they're now the Cardinal affiliate. So that's Cubs, Cardinals, Midwest League style. We swept them in six games last time they were here, by the way. So I'll be looking for a little uh, little revenge. Uh, it'll be Pride Night, uh, a Pride Scarf giveaway for the first 1,000 fans. Uh, that's presented by our bar in South Bend. So Pride Night, always a night we look forward to in downtown South Bend. As well, coming up, Dino Day. That's going to be on Sunday, June 26th. That's always fun for the kids. It's uh, dinosaur exhibits across the concourse. It's on a Sunday. It's great family entertainment, great family value. Uh, our boy Jody Davis is going to be doing an appearance as well in downtown South End. That's Wednesday, July 6th. Uh, you'll have the opportunity to meet Jody Davis if uh, fans take a trip out. And then this is one I know that Chris is very, very excited about. Marvel's Defender of the Diamond. Um, through the partnership with Marvel and the South Bend Cubs, the first 1,000 fans through the gates are going to get a free Marvel giveaway item. And Marvel Day, the South Bend Cubs are going to wear special jerseys as well. There's going to be a guest appearance by the Incredible Hulk himself. So that should be pretty fun. So I know that's a night that Chris always looks forward to, and the partnership between the South Bend Cubs and Marvel is one that he's really proud of. And if people have never been there before, Four Winds Fields always, always is in the top for best minor league stadium. Like you said, the game day experience, they just make sure you have a lot of fun. There's a lot of things to do in the South Bend area. We had a blast of it. And BK, you can, you can attest. I threw a strike when I threw that first pitch out there. I mean, <laughs> hell yeah, you did. Hell yeah. You threw a strike. I was right I mean, in there. Come on, probably. We need yeah. a video. We need some video of that to put up on uh, the, uh, on the social. <laughs> I can ask Chris for the video for sure. But yeah, actually um, ballpark digest Four winds field just took home another uh, first place award. They have been named the high A's best ballpark in the country. So I know that's an honor for the likes of, you know, Andrew Berlin, chairman and owner of the South Bend Cubs. He's a partner with the Chicago Cubs. Andrew's a great guy and Joe Hart team president, Nick Brown's the general manager. So I know that's an award that means a lot to the staff and look, man, I, I, I really mean it when I say that, you know, South Bend holds a special place in my heart. My dad went to Notre Dame. I grew up a diehard fighting Irish football fan. And, you know, when I was a kid, I always looked as I looked at South Bend as like you know, a magical place because I knew coming out on Saturdays, watching Notre Dame football was going to be a blast. Now getting to work here over the last three seasons and be a part of the organization, you know, it's, it's my goal one day to be in Chicago at Wrigley. And um, it's just an honor to work with this staff. So it's a lot of fun. Really quick, really quick. You just mentioned it. I was going to ask anyway, but take it, take us back a couple steps. We're talking about the young Cubs getting um, their 
feet underneath them, if you will, and learning the learning the trade. Tell, tell everybody, as a local guy made good, as we like to say on the Mully and Haw Show, how did you get to this point that you're at? And then what's the goal? You just mentioned getting back to Chicago. So take us through. Did you did you get into this in high school, in college? Where'd you go to school? Where were you before South Bend? And, and where what's the next step? Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Dustin. And I'm a graduate of Lincoln Way East High School in Frankfort, Illinois. It's a big public school on the south side. Funny enough, uh, Ed Howard's Mount Carmel, uh, they were a football rival of ours. So I kind of joked with Ed when he got here about the LWE and the Mount Carmel rivalry. But yeah, I started doing play-by-play of my high school's football and basketball games. I I think I hit literally 160 my freshman year of high school on the team. So I realized, all right, so that's not happening. But uh, I I got into broadcasting because my grandpa, um, who has now passed on, he uh, he actually sold advertising and uh, worked in marketing in the city in the 50s and 60s. Uh, You know, he was working with the Hawks and the Cubs, and I, I got an interest in radio because of him. And uh, got the opportunity in high school to broadcast, like I said, basketball, baseball, and football. Then went to college at Butler University in Indianapolis, which is where my off-season gig is. I'm with uh, ESPN Indy um, for my off-season gig as a host and an update guy. But I-, I think the baseball journey, it all started when I was in the Cape Cod Baseball League in 2016. That was my first stop uh, out in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. After I graduated from Butler my first year was with the Boise Hawks, former Cub affiliate, actually. Uh, they used to be a Colorado Rockies affiliate. They are now an unaffiliated baseball team. But when I was with them, they were the Rockies. So in that league, guys, the Northwest League, it is the longest bus rides in the country. Our shortest <laughs> ride was six and a half hours. Our longest ride was 14 hours up to Vancouver, BC. But I had a blast. The entire team was basically my age. And we had a lot of fun. And then after Boise, I got hired in South Bend in 2018. I've been here since. And I love it here. But, yeah, you know, it's really cool. And I'm very proud to say this, that over the last couple of years, Pat Hughes has become my mentor. Um, You know, I mentioned my Italian grandparents a little bit earlier. They picked me up from school every day. And when the Cubs were on the radio on WGN at the time and then ultimately the score, uh, we listened to them on on the way back from school every day, Pat and Ron. And – Pat has become my mentor over the last couple of years and he helps me out immensely. And guys, my dream since I was a kid was, is to become the broadcaster for the Chicago Cubs. And I'm having a blast here in South Bend and just hope to put my uh, fingerprint on the organization and keep working hard. Well, when you get up there, don't forget the fly the W podcast. We appreciate you coming on BK. Best of luck to the rest of the South Bend guys, to Max and Chris, tell everyone we say hello and we'll have you back on again. Okay. Dustin Crowley. Appreciate you guys having me. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. That is episode six. It's unfortunately called Beat Down in the Bronx. And unfortunately, Crowley, we have not been able to have the Cubs fly a W since we last dropped the podcast. And as we're recording this Monday midday tonight, the Cubs and Padres, Padres coming in to Wrigley Field and something that is really going to be fun to see, I guess, is you Darvish, the starting pitcher, game one tonight at Wrigley Field. Yeah, the Padres come in, and they're a very hot team right now, so the Cubs get to another challenge. The Padres are 37-23. and 23. They're only half a game behind the Dodgers, who people thought might run away with that for first place. You know, amazing. The Padres have done it without Tatis for most of the year. Um, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, and the Cubs are 10 games under 500 at 23-35. and 35. They're fourth place ahead of the Reds, behind the Pirates, but they're four and six in their last 10 games and they're riding a six game losing streak right now. So not three, four, 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 five game losing streak, but it's, uh, it's, it's tonight. I will be at Wrigley field. It is you uh, Darvish versus key uh, versus Justin Steele. So it's going to be an exciting matchup. Steele had that good uh, start last time against the uh, Cardinals. And so you hope that he can continue that and get the Cubs off the snide here. Yeah, they really need something. You just what I don't want to see Crawley after the beatdown in the Bronx is just that Steele gets pounded as well. I, I would hate these guys' um, mental makeup to be shattered. And that was always speaking of mental makeup. That was something that I always felt was why you Darvish didn't work out here. I just don't think he was mentally tough enough to handle. The Cub fans who really rode him hard. Um, his best year, his best season with the Cubs was the COVID season 
where there were no fans in the stand and he, he shined. And hopefully some of the young guys that we just heard from our interview with the uh, class a team out of South Bend, hopefully some of these guys are going to pay off and will remember you Darvish in a good way because you Darvish did absolutely nothing when he was a Chicago cup. Well, you mentioned the 2020 season and I think he was in the Cy Young. He finished second that year. Uh, it was hard for you because it, it, there was injuries and he was trying to play through them. And as I mentioned with Marcus Stroman, I cannot tell you why pitchers come here and struggle their first year. Even John Lester, the great John Lester with a six ERA going into May uh, with the Cubs. So it, it's, it's a puzzle to understand exactly why that is. Um, I think you has a good enough mental. I mean, he's been through pressure his whole life, but as you say, I hope that, you know, he, and he also helped, recruit Seiya Suzuki to Chicago in telling them how great the fans are, how great the facilities and the team are. So I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for you. I think he's a great player. Uh, I just think that injuries sometimes affect certain players other than uh, others. And, and he's one of those guys that seems to have a lot of injuries. So that trade, as you heard with our interview with uh, BK could have a lot of good returns come out of it, but I'm excited to see the matchup tonight. Uh, the, the Padres haven't really seen, uh, steel pitch all that much. Uh, the Cubs have seen a little bit of you Darvish, uh, Jan Gomes has had eight at bats and he's batting 500. So hopefully that'll be something. But other than that, nobody's really had a lot of significant at bats. So it's kind of tough to take a look and see who may, um, break out in this game. But the Cubs have, you know, the offense hasn't been horrible. Okay. It hasn't been horrible. It's just the pitching has been so atrocious. You're not going to win games that you give 12 runs up. You know, it's just not going to happen. So hopefully somebody kind of really breaks out. It's what the team really needs right now. The big hit, which with all the runners in scoring position, they clearly have not been able to get. Well, after three days of uh, getting your butts handed to you by the Yankees and getting outscored 28 to five. I don't think the pitching or the hitting has any bragging rights right now. Before we move into game two, real quick on Darvish, and you can tell me to stop if you think I'm going too far with this, but I got a two-part question for you. Number one, first part is I'm half joking, but I, you, you go to Wrigley more than about anybody I know. Do you think there will be some type of a video montage? We welcome back you Darvish to Wrigley Field. Um, any Anything like that tonight? Uh, he's already been, he was here in 2021. So he's been back before. So sorry, no montage sorry, happened. Sorry, had that? Okay. Okay. He already had that. And that was actually did last they year's. That? Did they do that then? Do you remember? I believe you probably, so. You were, you were probably there. I actually was at the game before and I went that, and I was still there walking around that day. I was watching outside because they actually gave away a U Darvish bobblehead uh, to help with ALS. Um, so that was a U Darvish bobblehead that was supposed to be given out in 2020, but they did do a video tribute. That's a good, that's a good thing. Okay. And maybe I'm the only petty cub fan out there. I doubt it, but maybe, and I won't be there tonight. Um, what do you think? Do you think the people, the fans will welcome him too much time has passed kind of shrug your shoulders at this point, or will, will cub fans be opening openly booing you Darvish as he takes them out? Oh, I don't think they're going to boom. I think, you know, they're, they're, there's going to, you know, he, he was a good guy. Like I said, helped get Suzuki over here. He's a really fun follow on Twitter. So there's a, there's a large contingent of people that just love him because he's just really funny. Uh, there was, a, there was one time that just made me laugh so hard. Uh, Gordon Whitmire has this kind of press box, press box wag uh, bit that he does on Twitter. And you Darvish one time took a picture of Gordo on the field and said, I found the press box wag. That's so fair. yeah, he does have a great sense of humor. You're right about that. And maybe I just, I just had such high hopes when they got him. I thought this was the piece. I thought he was the guy to get the Cubs at least back to, you know, winning the national league pennant and back to the world series. And it just, it just didn't work out. And it just, oh, it just absolutely, absolutely crushing. Let, let's move into game two. Finally, supposedly anything can change, but Kyle Hendricks 
is going to be back on the mound. That game will be Tuesday night at Wrigley Field. They're going to still be playing the Padres. I, I hope Kyle pitches that game. I hope Kyle pitches well in that game. A little little plug, we will have his pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, on with Mully and Haw on Wednesday morning. So the morning after that game, we'll get Tommy's views on how that went at 742. So make sure you tune in then. But what do you think has been going on with Kyle Hendricks, and what are you expecting, Crowley, from Kyle Hendricks? Well, Kyle did not get out to a great start, and I think they wanted to – I don't know if it was some dead arm or something bothering him, but there's going to be a lot of questions. Uh, Kyle's home record is not as good as his road record. So Kyle at Wrigley kind of struggles slightly more than he does on the road. So we'll see. This is a good team, um, and I would love to see him come out and have a great game. There are a couple people that have seen him a lot. If you are playing Beat the Streak and follow our friend Matt Spiegel's Beat the Streak podcast on Odyssey, Manny Machado hits 417 at 12 at-bats against Kyle Hendricks. Just like Paul Goldschmidt, Manny's just a great all-around hitter. Uh, Also, Jorge Alfaro hits 310 plate appearances. So uh, there's a couple guys that hit him, but he has to start producing You cannot look at these young guys that have not had long seasons and people get mad. They say, why isn't this uh, Caleb Killian starting? Why? These guys don't have the experience of these long 162 game, whatever 30 start seasons. And the difference between minor league ball and major league ball, and you really saw it in the Yankees series. When you face that Yankees lineup, there is no easy outs. You don't really get a breather, okay, that you may in AAA or even in AA, depending on the teams that you face. It's a lot more stress on these young pitchers. The veterans are going to have to start contributing something here. It's not fair to put everything on these young guys, and when you have a bad weekend like the Cubs did, you know, start questioning them. This is not the role they were supposed to be in, okay? Like I said, so maybe one guy was supposed to get a roster spot, maybe. But, but to sit there and ask these guys to carry a load is a lot. And so we need Hendricks. We need Stroman to get healthy. We need Miley and Smiley to get healthy and start pitching deep into games. That's what the Cubs need more than anything. Absolutely right. You're, you are 100% right on that. All right, game three, game four, all TBD. Um, you want to take a quick guess? I, I have no idea where they're going, Crowley. You want to take a quick guess at that or you want to move on to my next topic? That, it, it's 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 going to be a tough guess. Uh, you you can boy maybe Alec Mills gets a start in there. Uh, maybe Caleb Killian gets called up for another goal. Uh, now, I, do, I'm not do, sure. I would love to see do you, number one. Do you want to see that? And do you think they'll do that? I mean, obviously, I love watching see Caleb Killian pitch. You know that, that I'm never going to turn turn off that. But uh, it's just you get a little for me for a guy that likes to look at what's going on with prospects they have a very kind of set way that they want to kind of get these guys into the MLB. And sometimes that gets tricky when, when that timeline, and sometimes guys can, can, can get past it. I think Nico Horner is a pretty good example, but even him, he struggled with injuries and stuff like that. Uh, it, it's people don't understand how difficult it is to be a major league player. And we've been spoiled the last few years with Javi and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, but still guys that can play 140 games for you at least. And, and so that gets tough. So I get nervous when you're kind of taking them away from what their plan was to ease them into the major leagues. All right, before we wrap up episode six of season one, and it was the beat down in the Bronx, you just brought up Anthony Rizzo. And of course he is playing in the Bronx. So I want to read a quote that got out over the weekend. I want to get your reaction on this Crowley before we wrap this one up. All the big markets have plenty of money to spend. So yeah, a team like the Cubs should be competing every single year. Yeah, it's better for the game when the big teams are playing at a premium and it's just better for baseball. It's better for the overall experience when you turn on the game and it's the Yankees, Red Sox, and we're battling for first place in June, but it seems like it's October. That's good for baseball. So do you agree that Anthony Rizzo is speaking on the Cubs? Do you think this is just bitterness or do you think he's right and that the Cubs should be spending more than they are? Crowley. I was listening to the score this weekend and Ron Coomer was bringing up because Ron played, I want to say 2002 with the Yankees. And he just brought up the expectation of the culture there. And Theo, I believe tried to bring it. And I truly believe that 
it was 2019, I believe, that that was the big Bryce Harper year and Manny Machado. And I think that the spigot was turned off as far as money is concerned. That's my belief. And I think that Theo really did want to bring that culture of every season sacred and winning and going for it. And when that happened in 2019, now all of a sudden you went too long and not, they tried giving some of the guys extensions. They didn't take it. It didn't happen. You get to 2020. And just like you're seeing with Wilson, nobody signed an extension for the most part for that last year. Unless you blow them away with an offer, they're about to hit free agency. So that's why Wilson is not going to sign a contract anytime from now to the end of the season, because he's about to have 20 teams bidding on him. So at this point, I, I believe that the Cubs painted themselves in a bad corner, 2019, 2020, and going into 2021. And so now Jed is trying to do fiscally responsible things, but nobody really wants to hear that. So he's willing to give money. What he's not willing to do is give years and money. So he wants to do these, you know, say a Suzuki's contract, five years, not bad. Marcus Stroman's contract, three years, not bad. He wants to do those. But players, on the other hand, they don't want short-term deals. That's why Chris Bryant didn't want to sign here again. He wanted long-term deal, no trade clauses. That's ideally what a player is going to want. So if you're in free agency and the Cubs are offering you you know, a, a decent amount of money, but a short-term contract and, and, and no trade clauses. A lot of these guys that have reached free agency, they have kids, they have families. There's different things that they think about. So with the Cubs, you're, you're competing against 29 other teams for the talents of everybody else. And if you can have seven years and a large contract and st stability for your life, for your family's life, why wouldn't you take that as opposed to a, three or four year deal where you can be traded and your whole family gets uprooted. Well, stuck in the middle is exactly where we find our Chicago Cubs. That's a wrap on season one, episode six. We called it beat down in the Bronx. And we hope before we talk to you guys later on this week to wrap up and recap the Padres series for you, we will have the opportunity to fly the W once again. I agree. And, and don't forget to follow us on the socials on Facebook, fly, uh, fly the W at Twitter at fly the W six seventy, And you feel free to email us at fly the W six seventy at gmail.com.